Welcome to the law firm of Davis and Davis. We're not a real law firm. Go ahead, grab a beer, a glass of wine, sit back and listen. And gentlemen, welcome to the Davis and Davis Show. Hello, everybody. How you been? First up. This is the tennis thing, isn't it? Is done. <clears throat> M. Bondarosova wins it. Not even seated. Oh, really? Not even seated. Took out everyone. Wow. Yep. Uh, I do believe that that is her first Grand Slam win. Uh, she was ranked 45th or 48th before Wimbledon. Don't know where she's going to be now, but I think she'll be seated next time. <laughs> so you're saying a lot of people lost a lot of money betting on Wimbledon this year. I had Switech going all the way. And uh, yeah, that just didn't happen. <laughs> just did not happen there my friends not gonna do it uh, <laughs> uh yeah switek got beat by svitolina 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 i love tennis i love women's tennis <laughs> men's tennis is so boring and plus their skirts are just not as pretty <laughs> uh, yeah, the men's skirts are a little long this year <laughs> Um, so there you have it. I have no clue who won on the men's side. Don't care. They weren't wearing skirts. They, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's not women's volleyball, but it's good. Oh God. Women's volleyball. Ugh. I I caught that on ESPN the other day. I'm like, what the hell are they wearing? It's a step away from softcore porn, pretty much. <laughs> uh, could those shorts get any shorter? Well, were you watching the Brazilian team? Oh, God. Oh, no. oh. Oh, God. No. Oh. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> uh, like I said, welcome to the Davis and Davis show. Davis and Davis 
davisonddavisshow.com. Yeah, you can see all sorts of pictures and cool stuff. Or if you wanted to buy some cool merchandise, there's the davisonddavisshow.com. Because we're professionals. Yep. Seven. 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 See, here's the thing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Okay, see, see, here's the thing. I'm sorry, the tidbit caught my eye. Go ahead. <laughs> shiny things. Oh, look. <laughs> In Australia, they're having an eclipse. <laughs> oh, are they? I don't know. Uh, Did the tidbit say that? I don't know. Uh, no, the tidbit just told me that um, it's uh, one month and 30 days away from Putin Bay. Putin Bay. And then yeah, it and then it told me that it's 108 degrees outside. <laughs> hmm. God, that is good. Oh, what are you drinking, my friend? I am drinking Kraken. <gasps> I have a bottle of that here, my son. Did you get Kraken 94 or did you just get Kraken? I think it's the higher proof stuff. I don't know. I'd have to check the bottle. Check the bottle next time yeah. and see which one you well, got. Well, here's the thing. I went sailing all weekend long with Mr. and Mrs. Kanza on their pretty Corsair 28 trimaran. And he had some Kraken. And that was actually the first time I'd ever tried it. It was like, well, this is tasty. We're oh, yeah. going to get ourselves some of that stuff. And I'm oh, actually yeah. drinking it with the, um, the, the those ice bottles, the um, pineapple coconut. Ice? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's a good combo. It's um, a very good combo. Yeah. Oh, guess what I got for the very first time? I got, I got email at my Davis and Davis show email. You did not. I did, and it was spam. But it was email from the Davis and Davis show. I was like, oh, it works. It's there. <laughs> 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 it's like um, the it's like in the movie the jerk when he sees his name in the phone book i'm an, <laughs> i'm a special person i'm so special i'm so special <laughs> um, we were down at atwood lake this weekend and I, I i literally i left work early on friday i was there all day saturday and then sunday we're we noticed there were like 30 fishermen that all took off at once at 6 a.m. because they were having some fishing tournament, right? They, okay. of course, all left at the same time when we were trying to get out. So we were stuck in an extra hour waiting to get on the dock, waiting for these 30 bass boats to disembark and everything. That is when it decided to pour like a mother on us and even though it was like, you know, 85, 90 degrees outside, when it rains, it, it gets cold real, real fast. And uh, yeah, I was shivering there for a second. Then it went away as we got the boat out. And it was fairly pleasant, if not, you know, moist. Moist? <laughs> I, was at, I was at work day before yesterday. Um, ran my first tournament. <clears throat> which it's nothing. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's really nothing. 
Um, so I I get there at 6 a.m. And the lady who is uh, one of the coordinators for the tournament turns, looks at me, and goes, it is so moist out here. And I went, what? What? Why would you say that? She's like, I love that word, moist. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, She was hilarious. But anyways, that was my moist story. Um, Oh, oh my God. I got to I got to I got to text this to you real quick. Must find it. So I while while he's doing that, uh, I'm going to tell you the other thing that happened with the tournament. There was a second tournament that nobody told me about. Oh, good. So the tournament I'm in charge of uh, is supposed to take off at 730. And all of a sudden at 630, I get a phone call going, uh, you got to put uh, 10 more carts out, out back with uh, the American Airlines uh, logo in it. And I'm like, what? Excuse yeah, me? We, we have a second tournament. What? What? So I had to do announcements twice. <laughs> and my announcements my announcements for the uh for the DFW airport group was uh basically this. Uh you're all playing a different game. I don't know how you're scoring, so I'm not gonna give you the freaking rules. Just go out there, have a good time, and keep pace. <laughs> and they just looked at me and they went, That was funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if you look at your phone real quick, I sent you a picture. Hang on. Oh, it. oh. <laughs> wow. stick that into your brain. You just breathe. Oh, God. <laughs> Two knuckles deep in his ear there. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a bad you scratch the back of my eye from here. Hold on. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, Burke sent an attachment. <clears throat> It's a little tiny laser cut wooden fuck. <laughs> One of my customers gave it to me. It was like, man, now I have a fuck to give. Uh, uh, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Um, do you have Snapchat? I do not. I had it many moons ago. Did not dig it and I Get rid of it. Why do you ask? I gotta get rid of Snapchat. <laughs> These car girls are insane. <laughs> you look at a picture and go, uh, I like Arby's roast beef too. What is this? <laughs> Would you like some Arby's sauce on that? <laughs> What the horsey sauce? What? Oh, 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 the horsey sauce. Yeah, that is white. Um, I can't see shit through my glasses. <clears throat> what happened? What happened? But uh, ooh, the show came out, and I can't remember what show it was. Our shows, you mean? Yeah, I put out a show last week. Well, I put one out today too, and I don't remember. 
What it was one that we did a while ago, and I held off on it because there were a couple of shows that I thought were more important to get out. Oh, Meatloaf! Meatloaf came out. Oh my God, that's right. We did that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I held off on Meatloaf for a while. Um, I'm supposed to have a jam session with my friends, so tidbit. It gives me suggestions of things to do. Oh, yes, yeah, you're you, you rock. What jam session? What what do you what do you play anything? No. <laughs> I mean, I used to play drums, but I I haven't played uh, drums. I used in, to play bass, but that was 40 30, years ago. Mine was 30 years ago, so you were in the military then. Uh no, I would have been out. It oh, would have okay. it would have been before the military, because I played drums through high school, and then I played drums all during uh, college. Um, I started listening to the Fears and Phobia podcast this morning, and that's, a that's actually one. kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of good shows. Just need some more people to listen. More people. Come on, tell your friends about Burke and Scott being the funniest guys you know. But yeah, tell your enemies and, you know, subject them to this too. Yeah. I did get an email. Yeah, an email. (laughs) Uh, Email. Email. An email from a listener. Oh. Yeah. Said we were the stupidest show that there ever has been. And I went, thank you. But you have heard of us. (laughs) I signed it as seven. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Hate mail is just as good as fan mail. I'll take it. If you cared enough to tell us we suck, bless your heart. Thank you very much. I mean, I am just very happy that you actually spent the time to write. <laughs> and that you know how is a bonus. Um, all of my monitors are bouncing. What is going it's on? It's because you're bouncing up and down. I can see you. I have two days off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so sick of work. I left an hour early. I'm like, fuck <laughs> it. I don't need that hour. <laughs> um, what else has been going on here? Uh, getting prepared. Getting prepared for putting bay. You only got 60 days, man. You better start now. Got four microphones, four stands. Nice. I just have to next payday get the soundboard. Board. Yeah. Cool. And we will be in business. <laughs> and I haven't figured out do do I set it up at the hotel because I don't really want to the the people that um help us out with with space for the race car and all that stuff. I don't want to infringe upon them. With the, yeah, we'll just do it stealthily with the little microphones sitting on the tables. Because <laughs> we're dicks. Because we're dicks. Um, 
Yeah, uh, like, I do believe that that is next week's show. <laughs> um, next week's show is going to be Putin Bay. We're going to do the interviews that we did. We're going to do the funny shit that we did. Uh, the shit that people don't realize that we recorded. <laughs> It's a good thing that Bob Kanza does not have the time to listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else was going on? Yeah, I had something else going on. Uh, Uh, Tomorrow morning, I have my consult for my sleep apnea thing. So I can't get too drunk tonight because it's like 930 and I have to find this building in North Canton somewhere. So that'll be fun. Uh, knowing my luck, I'm going to get in there and they'll be like, oh, your thingy came off and it was inconclusive. So you got to spend four grand and come here and spend the night. I- I'm I'm just waiting for that conversation. Like you could have called me and told me. But... Uh... Oh, we have not done that very important. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. We, have, we haven't done a very important part of the show yet. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time. It's time for the Davis and Davis Show Motivational Minute. Walk away from the bullshit in your life. Each moment that you spend dealing with unnecessary bullshit is a moment that has passed you by. Your time on earth is short. Stop submerging yourself in bullshit and start immersing yourself in the pursuit of joy and delight. Do whatever makes you happy. Play more video games. Make ridiculous TikTok videos. Or laugh at other people's ridiculous TikTok videos. (laughs) Spend more time outdoors. Go home and play with your dog or your many, many cats. De-bullshit your life and live an existence that is more peaceful and joyful. And don't forget to just chill. Fight the fairies! You fight those fairies! De-bullshit your life. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, the self-help thing... Uh, montage that we do is going to come to an end because self-help sing hasn't posted anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And honestly, I think that we pulled the best ones out in the beginning. Yeah. I will come up with a different (laughs) motivational motivation. Something will motivate me, and it may not be self-help sing. <laughs> uh, it, it it may be, yeah, I don't know. It might be Jim Carrey again. Um, yeah, not bad. Quit breaking the law, asshole. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I don't have that in there. I love that one, but I do have. What the hell you say? And I have. I will send you to Jesus. And of course, it's all emotional damage.
What were you showing me? I just texted that to you. It's just now coming in. Oh, oh, there you can almost see it on camera. There you go. Old Bay Goldfish. Yeah, they're so good. Old Bay Goldfish. Oh, they're so good. Oh, well. Clock on the wall says it's three o'clock. Sorry. What clock? Like quoting George Thurgood? I think I was. I think you were. Channeling my inner douchebag. In Vail, it is 81 degrees with zero inches of snow. I guess California is still melting. Breckenridge is 73 degrees with zero inches of snow. I get the snow reports on the tidbit. The tidbit. Got to get you a tidbit, man. Glorified Um, iPad? mm -hmm. Okay. Home to bear... Home to work. A low-res iPad? Yeah, hook me up. Home to work is a 14-minute drive right now. (laughs) 14 minutes. Oh, God, that is so long. (sighs) Wonder how bad it's going to be when I'm working in Solon. Um, Oh. open, Open weather needs one call subscription. I don't know what one call is. Don't know. Don't care. Don't. What do you mean low res? I mean, yes, it is low res. I'm sorry. <laughs> An but eight bit iPad. It's a tidbit. Hey, by the way, you don't need a jacket outside today. No shit, Sherlock. You live in fucking Texas. And and then it says it's rather mild where you are. <laughs> mild. <laughs> it's only ninety five degrees. My, it's mild. My penis fell off. By melting <laughs> 59 days and three hours to Puddin' Bay. Puddin' Bay, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> and uh, this year, I think I have people actually going to come visit. Sweet. May come and watch the race from the other side. Um, Bedford, it's still 106 degrees and it's 7 o'clock. 106 degrees, dude. <laughs> My my penis melted off. <laughs> For some reason, there's two weather alerts here right now. Oh, excessive heat warning! Now we got the uh, the the smoke warning again from Canada. It's blowing in from the other side of Canada. All of Canada is on fire. Like huh. I've got a I've got one weather app that shows where all, like all the fires are. It just literally looks like the entire country of Canada is on fire. It's ridiculous. You have to remember that Canada is a a country that is, there's a lot of barren land um, that is never going to be managed, anything like that. At some point in time, you've got to have a fire or something like that to clear out a bunch of the areas to let new growth happen. It's... That's the way the earth is. The earth makes shit dry so that it burns and then it makes something nice. And I'm getting some I'm getting something else on my phone. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Well, that's a whole lot of lightning over the U.S. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight. So there's nine posted, ten posted forest fires in the United States. There's like 150 or more in Canada. It's just it, it's they aren't having any weather except forest fires. I am sure that Mr. Trudeau has everything in, under control. <laughs> All right, he, we have gone way past can, our intro time. We, as he gives his press conference in front of a window, and there's like forty foot flames behind. Him. <laughs> We're this fine. is fine. This is this is fine. <laughs> How's your day going? It's, it's a little warm here. <laughs> But it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, not voiced at all. Not not voiced at all. Uh, all right. Are you ready? We're we're gonna we're g- take take a break. Yes, my cup is empty.
Very crunchy. I'm sitting here watching the uh, the audio levels, <laughs> and every time every time the drum beat hits, it's like red, red. Ah, oh, this song was so crunchy in the '80s. Ah. All right. So I had two more things to tell you. Good. Didn't get into the first segment. Doing a love song. Got my hair cut. Burke saw that. None of the rest of you people have. Walk into work. Go down to my cart. One of the cart girl extraordinaires pulls up. She turns, looks at me and goes, holy shit, you're good looking. And I went, what? What? Huh? What? Are you drunk this early in the morning? What the hell? What? What are you talking about, man? Hey, man. I, oh, hey, hey. She's like, you look fabulous now. And I'm like, all I had to do was cut my hair. <clears throat> She's been with us for a while. So she saw me when I was 300 pounds. And uh, she was like, oh, my God, you have lost a crap load of weight. Oh, my God. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't look like Burke anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I got that done. Um, the whole reason that it took me a little bit longer to get back here was because I had to wash my glasses. I could not see Jack Crab. <laughs> but I went to the eye doctor the other day. And? Hey, get off my mouse. Um, well, first off, I ordered my glasses. I'm, I'm getting the same Ray-Bans that you wear every day. But, the gray ones? Yes. Yes, the gunmetal gray. He's got like a carbon fiber thing going on on the side. Well, I can't see it from there, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're nice. Oh, that's. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, I'm not sure if the ones that. I, no, I'm pretty sure the ones that I tried on had that. Um, so I went and, and placed my order. And. Uh, the lady looks at me and says, hey, your eye doctor uh, suggested this lens. And, you know, of course, Scott's like, well. So when I talked with my doctor, he's like, you work outdoors now. You're going to have to do something to start protecting your eyes. And I said, well, I wear sunglasses. He was like, mm-hmm. Here's the problem. You're having a problem seeing distances now, which means that you've got to get the transition lenses. And I was like, oh. So I go, talking to the lady and all that. 
found out I am getting transition lenses that turn purple. Oh. I know. I was all excited. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, got me a little chubby out of that one. Well, it says bad motherfucker on it. Uh, now, the, <laughs> the only bad news that I got is uh, my right eye is starting cataracts. What about the Rankins? They're fine. Okay. So are the Heinzes. <laughs> All 57 of them. Rankus Heinz is a, is a speaker manufacturer. So. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, cataracts are starting. Um, he said they're not bad yet. Uh, and I was like, I don't even know what the hell that is. So you won't. like big lumpy things inside your eyeballs that prevent you from seeing, isn't it? Something like that. Well, my yeah. my father. I have astigmatism, which is just bumpy eyeballs. You get the bump. I get the bumpy eyeballs. I got bumpy balls. I can attest to that. I stayed with you in Putin Bay. <laughs> <laughs> That Sam's Club, Sam's Club toilet paper makes it a whole lot softer. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Wiping your ass with silk. I I got the <laughs> I I asked myself the other day. I'm like, man, why do I have Costco and Sam's? I mean, the food is cheaper at Costco. Mm-hmm. You know, and Costco is closer. Mm-hmm. Now, now that they've closed the Sam's Club that was over there because a tornado took the roof off and they said, we're Ooh. not, not going to rebuild it. Um, so I sat back. I was like, why? Why am I keeping? And then all of a sudden it hit. I was like, toilet paper. Fucking toilet paper. So Costco doesn't have anything like that, huh? No. Wow. No. That's I sad. Mean, they have their own brand. They have their kirkland's brand mm-hmm. of of toilet paper <clears throat> but it's nothing like the sam's club toilet paper um mega rolls 26 dollars for a case and they delivered for free you hook a brother up yeah you can't beat it um so that was the two stories that I had. Sorry, I wasted people's <laughs> time with that. Wasted our lives with that. Oh, my God. But now, for your listening, listening entertainment edific- edification. Emotional damage. I guess you'll find out what the show's about now. Here we come.
That's right. The monkeys. The monkeys. Yes. And this all came about from one of our other shows where we were doing cover songs. Now. We realized that Neil Diamond actually wrote some of the music for this show. We were, and I had no clue. And all of a sudden we're like, we got to talk about the monkeys. So here we are talking about the monkeys. So we, we, we are here now. Now, for those of you who don't know who the monkeys are, um, <clears throat> it started out as a television show. Mm-hmm. Not one of the guys knew each other. Nope. They, they all auditioned for a TV show. And they got thrown together and said, make music. Now, they did want musical background in their actors, if possible. And, and they kind of they split it down the middle. Two of them were more actors than musicians, and two were more musicians than actors. But it all worked out in the end. Well, who do you think were the musicians? I know who they are. They're the two guys on the right-hand side of my screen. Ooh. Mr. Peter Tork and Mr. Mike Nesbitt. And how weird is it that they are playing this group called the Monkees, and their names are Mike, Peter, David, and Mickey, and in real life, their names are Mike, David, Peter, and Mickey. It's kind of just a weird, you know, they didn't give them like stage names. They used their real names as their character names. Yeah. It's a little meta. But anyway. Little meta. Yeah. Little meta. Somebody uh, somebody said that at work the other day. <laughs> meta. It's... Referencing something that references itself is meta. Although the, you could say that about uh, Joey uh, from Friends. What's His name is Joe in real life, and every character he's ever played on TV has been named Joe because he can't not, he's just not that good of an actor to have a different character name. He's just Joe. He's just Joe, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I know that you just named off the first names. Yes. We have uh, Mr. Mike Nesmith, Mr. Peter Tork, uh, Mr. David Jones, and Mr. Mickey Dolans are the four actors, musicians that comprise the monkeys. Yes. Now, you you'll have to forgive started, me. Do you know who started the monkeys? Uh, it was a production company, and forgive me, I don't know who that was. was... Aspiring filmmaker Bob Raffleson. There we go. Yeah, I saw his name come up often. Developed the initial idea for the monkeys in 1962. And and television producer Bert Schneider. There we go. And tried selling it. and tried selling it to review the television division of universal pictures. Oh, 
so he tried to sell it to Universal Pictures as a review show. Oh, okay. Um, and they turned it down in 1962. In May of 1964, while working at Screen Gems, Raffleson teamed up with Bert Schneider, whose father, Abraham Schneider, headed the Colpix Records and Screen Gems television units of Columbia Pictures. Raffleson and Schneider ultimately formed Raybert Productions. The Beatles film, A Hard Day's Night and Help, inspired Raffleson and Schneider to revive Raffleson's idea for the monkeys. There you go. That's yeah, and a it was, whole lot it, of crazy information. Yeah, it was a weird show because really, I don't think you'd had a show that had that was comedy and pop music because it was inherent in the show because it was a pop band that the comedy was about. It was, it was kind of an interesting concept and they definitely wanted to cash in on the Beatles, you know, because the Beatles yeah. were huge back then, you know, yeah. Did you know that the monkeys that were picked were not the original idea for the monkeys? Well, when they, if I recall, they interviewed 257 odd people for the roles. Here you go. Raffleson and Snyder's original idea was to cast an existing New York folk rock group called the Loving Spoonfuls. Oh, shit. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah who were not widely known at the time. However, John Sebastian had already signed the band to a record contract and they couldn't do the show. Gotcha. So, so Snyder and Raffleson opened it up to an open audition, which is interesting because they wanted to make sure that it was a fab four style. Uh, how are you? It amazes me the dynamic that they got. Mm, oh, gosh, yeah. By holding auditions. I mean, usually something like this, you're going to sit back and, and have a plan. And they went into it without a plan. <laughs> they got lucky they got four talented dudes and they're they're very different personalities and so yeah it, it, now, it, it all worked out do you know how many applicants they had I, I thought the number was like 257 437 applicants mm. Mm. Stephen Stills was one of them yes he was well he was friends with Peter Torque. they were friends uh, in California originally and actually, it was Stills who told Peter, you should come audition for this. So, the advertisement for the, uh, for the audition went like this. Madness. Auditions. <laughs> Folk and rock musician singers for acting roles in a new TV series. Running parts for four insane boys, age 17 to 21. 
want spirited Ben Franks types have courage to work must come down for an interview. <laughs> so they got 437 applicants. But the four that we've been talking about were the ones that instantly gelled with each other. And Schneider and Raffleson saw that and they were like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, this, this is it. They had the look also. Um, Davy Jones was an Englishman. Uh, he had that, that English accent, which really went into Raffleson's idea for, for the monkeys. I mean, mm-hmm. they're yeah, the fab tra- four kind of yeah. rip off. We're trying to build something to kind of go up against the Beatles not really against them in the music market, but the Beatles are hot right now. We need something that's close to that. And honestly, the four that they picked were perfect for this. Now, I, I, the only, I've got one thing of remembrance and I've got one thing that I found. Um, you're talking about auditioning. Nesmith brought his laundry bag to the audition. The producers were not only baffled by this Texan showing up for his interview in the middle of a hot California summer wearing his trademark wool hat, but he also had a laundry bag in tow. His his casual demeanor and quick wit sealed the deal, apparently. Now, there's one other one, and I could not find this anywhere. And maybe this was made up. Who knows? But it, it was an interview with one of them. And they said that they came in this room and on a coffee table, there were a number of soup cans just sitting on this coffee table. And one of the guys in the band, I don't remember which one, like just took one, skipped over another can, put it on the table and said, checkmate. And then that was all he did. It was like, that's all his interaction was with the soup can. But they're like, hey, we like this. We like this vibe. We like this energy. So. Well, it, it, one of the, Interesting facts that that uh, that that ad that I was talking about was in the Daily Variety, and only one person out of the four monkeys saw the ad. <laughs> uh, Dolan's Mike Nesmith. Oh, okay. <laughs> The rest of them heard about it by ear being, they were all musicians uh, at the time. They had been working in Greenwich Village and and, uh, around the New York area, and they heard through the grapevine about this. Nesmith was the only one that read the actual audition information, hence the fact that he came to the audition prepared (laughs) <laughs> to be slightly insane. <sighs> In a TV interview years later, Torque stated that the last condition in the ad referred to not being under the influence of illegal substances. <laughs> <laughs> so I, did, I did see that poster, and I, I, didn't, I didn't look at it very heavily, unfortunately. Uh. During Torque's Torque's audition, he was asked, 
if he smoked? And uh, his reply was, well, I don't smoke those. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so they got picked. Um, During the interview process, they did put people together to see the dynamic and all that stuff, and these four just gelled. So they got picked. What do you what do you do now? Well, we're gonna do a TV show that's music based. We have to put an album out. <laughs> so immediately in nineteen sixty six, they went into the studio to record songs. Well, they didn't. They well, had music made and then they individually well, I no, I take that back. If I if I then I'm this is recall. I believe they tried to have them all four in the studio at one time. They did. Off. Um, Don they Kirk- they screwed around so much that the the music guys were like, "You got to separate these guys." So they after that brought them in one at a time. Don Kirshner was well, Don was later on. Don was a little bit later on. During the casting process, Don Kirshner, Screen Gems head of music, was contacted to secure music for the Monkees pilot. Um, this was the same time that they were auditioning. So Kirshner was already involved. No good. Most of the music came from Kirshner's hand in being in charge of being the head of music for yeah. Screen Gem. He's a bit of a villain in this story, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. That, well, I haven't even hit that part yet. <laughs> um, so, yes, they went. Uh, Snuff Garrett. Yes. Was the gentleman who uh, composed. Compose. Several of the hits, yeah. Several of the hits. Um, and he was actually the one present when they tried to have all four monkeys record at the same time and found out that that's just not going to happen. Um, The four actors fooled around and tried to crack each other up because of this. They often brought each singer in individually. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kirshner was definitely an evil dude. Um, Then we'll get that a later. Yeah. Uh, But anyway... Yeah, we're all kind of reading this stuff. I don't. I, I've got a good bit of stuff about my two guys, and but yeah, the, the, you know, it's like I, it, it, it personally. I mean, I think I was what, probably four years old when I first saw the monkeys, and obviously because I was born in '67, so this is like 1969, 1970. You know, is in reruns, but it was still pretty fresh. You know, but I loved watching the monkeys. Oh my god! I mean, it appealed to everybody. There was enough humor for adults it was kind of like watching rocky and bullwinkle 
there was humor for kids. There was humor for adults. You had a little bit of, you know, social commentary kind of through it. And I was, it was a, it was one of the interviews I watched where they were talking about the fact that these four kids, this was a very different TV show because it was four basically kids, young adults, but still kid-like. They had no adult supervision whatsoever. They just got to do what they want. And it was just kind of a freeing kind of thing because normally, you know, you had the dad figure, the mom figure, and the kids were being screw-ups. No, this was just kids being screw-ups, and, and people dug it. So. Uh, so they went through the recording process and all that stuff. Uh, they The whole idea was that the first two albums from that that the monkeys produced would be the uh the tracks that were used in the first season of of the television show well definitely the first album because yeah. wasn't the second album kind of cobbled together by kirshner yes yeah um, and on it, 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 i was reading this something else where Kurt, where because they did they do the first season and then they went on tour? Or did they do both seasons and then went and toured? I can't remember now. They did the first two seasons, then toured. I do. Okay, so it was while the band was on tour, and and and, and this was not a Millie Vanilli thing. These guys were all real musicians, and like like David and Mickey, not classically trained in anything picked up music i mean they were musicians they, they were singers and whatnot they, they picked up instruments very quickly and, and peter and mike helped them out and so when they were on tour and playing in stadiums and whatnot they were really playing their real instruments yes. um but it was while they were out on tour that they went into a record store and saw the second monkeys album that they had no idea what they like i didn't agree to this i didn't what the hell is this they had no clue so that was kind of kirshner's that was kind of the start of his well, downfall kirshner was a little bit of a an asshole uh yeah the monkeys debut and second album were meant to be the soundtracks to the first season of the tv show um the the problem with that was what we just talked about kirshner basically finagled that entire situation to get the second album. And um, how is it that I have my phone on silent and there's still messages coming through? Yeah. Well, just because it's on silent doesn't mean it stops working. It just means you can't hear it. <clears throat> so anyways yeah, the monkeys first single do you know what it was was it clarksville last train to clarksville was released august 19 1966 just weeks prior to the television debut so hmm. last, last train to clarksville came out before that i did not know the show actually happened 
Now, here's an interesting thing. The theme song for the monkeys actually charted. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. It was the theme song. <laughs> well, there's a lot of theme songs that have charted out there. World's Great, uh, Greatest American Hero, that theme charted. Uh, Hill Street Blues charted. Um, there, there's been quite a few. Uh, so yes um last train to clarksville was released august 1966 the first television broadcast was september 12th 1966 on nbc of all places well they ended up being on all three uh ABC, NBC, and CBS, at some point in time, they were on all three broadcast channels. Yes, back uh, in those days, there were only three channels and PBS. The that first, was it. The first long-playing album, The Monkees, was released a month later. It spent 13 weeks at number one. All right, I've got one piece of trivia somewhere down in here not that one not that one not that one no nah, i can't find it go that, ahead keep talking that album included nesmith on lead vocals for papa jeans blues a folk rock and country rock fusion that nesmith actually wrote he, after the second album, got to write a couple songs for each album. And, and then after that second album, they all got to start playing some instruments on those albums also. So they got a little bit more freedom to do what they wanted to do. Um, okay, so here's my little tidbit. The Monkees set a record in 1967 that no act has ever equaled. They became the first and only act to have four number one albums on the Billboard 200 in one calendar year. Damn. The Beatles had three. Rolling Stones had three. They had four. All right. I'm going to read something. This comes back to Kirshner again. Um, the guys played several different instruments and it became almost a problem in figuring out who is going to play what because it had to match the television show <laughs> so in assigning instruments for the purpose of the television show a dilemma arose as to which of the four would be the drummer both Nesmith, a skilled guitarist and bassist, and Torque, who could play several stringed instruments plus keyboards. And horn. He, he, could, he had, he had yeah. 12 instruments under his belt. Banjo, guitar, bass. They were peripherally familiar with the instrument, but both declined to play <laughs> drums. <laughs> um. Jones knew how to play drums and 
tested well enough initially on the instrument, but the producers felt that behind a drum kit, the camera would exaggerate his short stature. <laughs> so he got relegated to the tambourine and supposedly lead vocals, although all of their big hits are all Dolan's singing. Thus, Dolan's, who only knew how to play the guitar, was assigned to be the drummer. <laughs> Torque? Torque. Peter Torque taught Mickey Dolan's how to drum. Yeah. And I think Peter played bass typically and Mike was on guitar typically in the videos and um Davy Jones would play rhythm guitar uh mm, okay every now and then every now and then um Peter Torque basically played bass uh but the the, the best the best musician of the lot <laughs> got relegated to bass bass <laughs> And the only reason that Davy Jones got lead vocals was because he because he looked like a beetle because he was short. Yeah, he spoke, looked like one of the Beatles. Spoke with an English accent, and they could manipulate the camera to make him look taller. I love that. <laughs> you know, he was actually in the musical of Oliver. I had no clue. Yeah, David Jones was in the musical. He played the Artful Dodger. Actually, I did have a clue about that. That's yes, that is here. Um, because I have kind of a deep dive into Davy Jones. Yes, yes, and uh, as well as Mickey Dolan's. Um. Kirshner. I I think it's time to talk about Kirshner. Okay. Uh yeah, he he released an album with no input from the group whatsoever. Perhaps worst of all, many still perceived that Kirshner took credit for the group's success uh as if Bob Raffleson, Bert Schneider, Tommy Boyce, Bobby Hart and the Monkeys themselves had no role in that success at all. Yeah. Uh, it was while the Monkeys were on tour, yeah, here we go, that Kirshner made what may have been one of his biggest errors in his career. With neither the Monkeys' consent nor their knowledge, he released a second album entitled More of the Monkeys, just to capitalize on the growing monkey mania. Well, the first album was composed almost entirely of material produced by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. Um, and the more of the monkeys was produced by nine different producers from various recording sessions Kirshner had held in the past months. And while the first album featured six songs composed by Boyce and Hart, the second album only featured two. The cover featured a photo. St- <laughs> the cover of this album featured a photo stitched together from Two different promotional shots. The monkeys and JC Penny closed as part of their promotion for the chain of stores. Uh, the liner notes on the back were composed by Kirstner himself. Uh, More of the monkeys was released January 10th, 1967. That was kind of the beginning of the downfall. And there is an entire website. Well, not an entire website. 
but there is this huge thing on nothing but Kirshner's involvement with the monkeys. And it, it is a long, long read, but it's really fascinating. Um, the, 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 the inevitable showdown between the monkeys and Kirshner was delayed by their first United States tour. Yes. Um, you know, screen getting the monkeys of tourism means for money to develop the show, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they started, let's see, December 3rd, 1966 in Honolulu, Hawaii is where they started the tour. They visited 14 different cities across America as proof. The monkeys could play their own instruments. They provided their own accompaniment, except on their solo sets, blah, blah, blah. It was while they were on tour. There we go. That Kirshner made. Yeah, that's what I just said. Okay. They didn't even learn the album until they were on tour and went into a record store. Yep. Got there. More of the Monkey and Nesmith grossly exaggerated when he called More of the Monkeys the worst album in the history of the world. It actually did include some of the high points of the band's career. Uh, among those were She, which the guy writing this says in his humble opinion is the best song the monkeys ever performed the best song that voice and heart wrote been covered three times by the dickies the color fields and love candy uh included the monkeys version of i'm not your stepping stone which would become a garage band standard blah 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 blah, blah. But this is a long long involved read but it's really good um I will try to get this to Scott to post on the website. It's from a website called Mercury's Blogspot, and it's called A Shroud of Thoughts Dedicated to Pop Culture in All Its Forms. It's entitled, This was written 2010. It's called All of Your Toys, The Monkeys versus Don Kirshner. Yeah, it got so bad that Nesmith had a meeting with Kirshner in Beverly Hills. Uh, Kirshner was bringing them uh, their royalty checks as well as their gold record. And uh, Nesmith's ultimatum was very simple. We choose our own music from now on. We decide what we want to record all this. And Kirshner became a dick. You're under contract. You'll do what I tell you to do. Apparently, Kirshner said that they were going to do the song Sugar Sugar that was on the Archies. Yep. I think that's when Nesmith punched a hole in the wall. I'm not exactly sure. That is the Beverly Hills Hotel where they had their meeting. And he proceeded to look at Kirshner and said, Say that could have been your face. Yes. No, there was an F bomb in there too. Yeah. Well, I, I I left that out because I'm tired of hitting the explicit button. <laughs> um all right. On that note, I think we're gonna take a little break here. Okay. We'll talk about EC's guys individually here in a little bit. Yeah. A la bladder is saying that it's not gonna go any further. Uh <laughs> 
we're uh, we're, we're going to go break. out. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're going to go out on on one of my favorite songs by the Monkees. All right, we'll be right back. See ya. Make sure that you check back soon for part two of this podcast.